There is no sport where coaching changes matter more than football. On today's Move the Line, we're going to talk through all the head coaching and coordinator changes that have taken place this offseason, what to expect scheme-wise from each of those moves, and discuss any relevant handicapping implications along the way. Let's dig in. And welcome to Move the Line. Ryan Noonan joined here, as always, by Connor Allen and Sharp Clark. Connor, where are you these days? Yeah, I'm out in uh, Clark's neck of the woods here, out in uh, Colorado. So it's nice to be nice to be hanging out, hanging out there for the weekend, visiting some friends. Nice, uh, Clark. How we doing, buddy? Good. Yeah, I don't know how many listeners or viewers are in in Colorado, but we've had a an infestation of moths this week, and so I apologize if any come flying through the screen. They're they're everywhere. And try to get Connor on the golf course, and you know he's gallivanting all over you know the country in the next uh, you know couple of months leading up to the season. He's you know I live vicariously through as a as a dad uh, with dad responsibilities. I get to experience the the life of uh, of a newly married uh, childrenless Connor Allen uh, and all the things that he does here over the summer, the next couple of months. So it's it's wedding season, bro. I mean, it's like. Uh, everyone my age is getting married. I think I have like, you know, six or seven weddings this year. I have five bachelor parties in a month. Uh, I don't even know how I'm going to be able to do that. It's going to be like, well, it's like one weekend and then one midweek. It's going to be a complete disaster. Rest in peace to my body and liver. Um, but we'll make it through it. I don't know that if I have five friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, that's a good point. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not of age where a lot of my friends, uh, other than Connor, who again is, you know, despite appearance significantly younger than me uh that was my you know my wedding season last year when connor got married that, that's it my friends just get divorced or uh that that that's the next stage of life not for connor connor and maggie awesome not this uh, you know it does it does uh unfortunately happen to people so wish that upon no one uh yeah we'll move on to football though we're going to be here every week leading up to the season lots of original content here on our four for four bets youtube page we spawned off from the four for four uh, football fantasy page. So um, subscribe means a lot to us. Lots of great content that helps, you know, support the free content. So thumbs up on the video. Subscribing goes a long way. Jump in the chat too. This week, we're going to talk about coaching changes. As we mentioned, uh, let us know what your favorite or least favorite coaching move of the offseason has been. We'd love to hear from you. Still available here on, on pod and podcast form too, wherever you subscribe. Don't miss a show. Five stars, thumbs up, rate and review. All those things go a long way in helping us. And we, Appreciate that greatly. Before we get into coaching, we've had some breaking news here in the last 30 minutes before we get started. It looks like Jimmy Garoppolo had foot surgery um, within the last couple of weeks or and maybe questionable to start the season, Connor. Uh, there is, you know, again, we have some team betting aspects that we can get on on the Raiders side. I'll go to Clark for that. But Connor, I know we have some props available too on Garoppolo. Any thoughts on this? Again, if you can miss any time at all, uh, probably some some nice outs here in the prop market. Yeah, I, I, it's something that I actually originally had bet prior to the draft, like a little bit myself, because I thought that there was a non-zero chance that they drafted a quarterback, in which case, like, his prop of whatever, 37.50 is way off, like, you know, if he's going to play half the season. Uh, but now at this point, we're looking at around 3,600 at Caesars, DraftKings, FanDuel, I think it's a little bit lower, 35.50. Uh, right now, the reports are saying that there's uncertainty whether it be ready for week one. And I mean, we're in May, so... I like, you know, I don't want to go overboard here, but like generally with betting season long unders and I'll have a big study coming out about this. Um, if you bet the under basically on everything two years ago, 63% last year, 60%. And we're talking about like a 600 prop sample. So it's not like, you know, that small anymore. So 
I mean, the evidence is overwhelming. There's so many more outs for unders. And like, if you're already giving yourself an out that you could see, which is Jimmy Grapple maybe missing a couple weeks, uh, you know, to start the season, like you're in a massive advantage here. So something I'm interested in mulling over, I don't know, Newton, like any thoughts? I guess the only thing holding me back is like the defense could be bad. So they're going to have to throw like a bunch, but like, I mean, that that's about it. Yeah, that would be that would be it. I wouldn't expect um, a massive change defensively from that team. The secondary is still pretty bad, but yeah, like you said, I mean, just straight up as is, we're on the right side by going under anyway. And if there is a chance of uh, you know missing some starts this of the season or reaggravation, it's definitely probably my lean, and I think we're going to start to continue to see that in the, in the books. And Clark, it's Brian Hoyer on deck. Uh, they drafted Aiden O'Connor from Purdue. Uh, in the, I think like the fifth round or something like that. It's like it would be Brian Hoyer uh, stepping in here. Any starts there? Uh, any leans on the Raiders in terms of the, the future market or any thoughts on the Garoppolo? No, I mean it makes me even more disappointed that they got rid of Stidham because he played well in those two games at the end of the year. And so I was really ho- kind of hoping the Raiders would go into like uh, let's see what we have in Stidham, and if we fail, then we're at least get a good draft position. But instead, they went to Jimmy G, which makes no sense. And now it makes even less sense, not that they knew this was going to happen. So, yeah, I'm, I'm staying away. I'm, I'm kind of biding my time. We'll see We'll see how it goes. Yeah, definitely something to, to look for. You can jump in our subscriber Discord, see if there's any plays pushed out by the team here with this news as it continues to, you know, kind of form here. It's just kind of getting this as we get started. But, uh, again, great time to, to scoop a betting sub at 4 for 4. It's going to get you access to everything on the sites if you're playing uh, best ball, you want to get our rankings, projections for the season, DFS, high stakes, everything. Uh, and I mentioned the subscriber Discord, I think, is really the crown jewel of the subscription. You can get access to us. Um, same thing with our fantasy guys. You want to talk shop with Daigle, Paulson, TJ, any of that stuff. You can do that through Discord. Um, and then channels for every sport. And if you also play any of the pick'em games, prize picks, underdog, no house advantage, vivid picks, we have uh, channels and posted plays there as well. Uh, you can head over to 444.com slash plans to get the betting subscription. Or we've uh, partnered with these a couple of these pick'em sites. Um, you can go to Vivid Picks, download the Vivid Picks app, use promo code 444BET. Uh, and deposit minimum of five dollars. It's going to get you a three month sub. I, I, I laugh because I can't believe how cheap that is. And for three months, again, you're not going to get the full year. But as Connor and I were talking about the other day, you can stack these on top of each other. You could do three months of Vivid, and that expires. You want three more months? Take you through most of football season. Do it with our friends at No House Advantage. Uh, you can find all that information on the site. Again, they'll match deposit at Vivid up to two hundred dollars if you want to play over there. But if you're looking to do it just to get access to four for four. Betting subscription, you only need to do five bucks. Really, really cheap. So, yeah, check. quick bit too. I think it's worth worth noting that I actually do enjoy playing over there because, yeah, like, in all these bigger platforms, because they post stale lines, their limits are not as much. You're able to correlate uh, without like penalty quite as like you know at certain times. So like, and they post lines of like like week 17 last year. They posted Viking starters lines when everyone knew they were playing like a half. So it's like, I mean, it's free money. So just like you know, take advantage of it. All right, gentlemen, uh, it's been a busy offseason on the coaching front. Lots of moves to discuss, so we'll jump into it. Going to go alphabetically down the order here. Some teams had coaching changes, offensive, defensive. Some have done it all, and that's actually our first team here in Arizona, uh, who uh, Cliff Kingsbury era uh, has ended, uh, and Jonathan Ganyan is in defensive coordinator from Philadelphia, is over as the head coach. Um, he's brought along Drew Penzing to be his offensive coordinator, uh, and then Nick Rouse, who is a uh, – associate with him in Philadelphia uh, to be the defensive coordinator, though Gannon will definitely call plays here. Uh, Clark, I'll you to talk about Arizona. 
I, I have no idea what Arizona is trying to do this year. Um, I don't know anything about the two coordinators. And all I know about Jonathan Gannon is that his defensive schemes have not really impressed me. It's usually pretty passive, uh, not not too creative, just kind of rely on the talent that he had or didn't have in some cases. So last year, the Eagles defense was good because they had good talent and played bad teams. Um, I'm not sure that was anything that Jonathan Gannon did. So I'm skeptical, but I'm also recognizing that the attributes that make a good coordinator aren't necessarily the same as the ones that make a good coach. And I'm pretty open-minded about, about what he's going to do in Arizona. I think he's got a long leash. So that kind of gives us time to evaluate him as he gets going. Uh, but also I just want to say like when handicapping coaches, because I get a question about like, you know, how do you incorporate coaching when you do your week to week handicapping? Um, and, and my answer is basically like, I'm not independently evaluating coaches. I think it's really, really, really difficult to isolate what the coach brings to the table because so much of it is behind the scenes during practice, you know, scheme we can kind of identify, uh, but culture building and discipline and all those kinds of things are really, really hard to extricate. Um, and, and to the extent that their impact is felt on the game, it's already impacting performance. So I would expect my performance ratings to already reflect coaching. Um, so as far as the Arizona goes, like I have very low expectations for the team. And so by proxy, I have very low expectations for Jonathan Gannon, but um, I'll be willing to change my mind if what I see on the field demonstrates that he has some skills that we haven't seen before. Yeah, good call out there. Uh, Connor, not a great start in terms of like PR for Jonathan Gannon. They, they had a pretty nice draft and were able to manipulate some stuff to really bolster next year. Uh, again, with the expectations being pretty low, knowing they're playing at least the majority of the season, probably at least half without Kyler Murray as he recovers from an ACL. Uh, what are your thoughts on what uh, Arizona's done here? Yeah, going through this process is really interesting because it kind of opens my eyes and like forces me to dig deeper on all the coaches and some of the lesser known guys. And I think we see some scenarios like this one in Arizona specifically where you have new guys who have never called plays without a head coach that can help them. And so like now we have Drew Petzing, who was the former uh, tight end coach for the Browns and QB coach. And I mean, I guess is calling plays without Kyler Murray at quarterback. And he has a defensive coordinator as his head coach. So like if things go wrong, like what is his crutch? Like, how is this going to work? You know, like I'm sure that he could be good, but it's like, we see some other guys where it's like, okay, the offensive coordinator can at least get help from the head coach. Like I think, you know, Frank Reich is a great example. We'll talk about that later. You know, like there's at least something to lean on if things aren't going as well here, there's nothing. And he has nothing around him. So it's like one of those things where my expectations are getting considerably lower for the Arizona Cardinals. And so when I'm thinking about this team specifically early on in the season, I'm looking at ways to fade them potentially like in some of the early games. So I didn't look at all the like early look headlines, but I mean, week one commanders are favored at home. I think it's minus five and a half. Like, I don't know. Like I, I don't love the commanders necessarily, but it's like, I would need to find ways to, find, to fade this Cardinals team because I think Clark mentioned too, that we don't, we really don't know who's going to be a quarterback. If Kyler's not going to be there. And the win total has already kind of been bet to shit a little bit. It's like four and a half at this point. Yeah, so yeah, if, like fading them is probably best back, off. Right. What's that? If Kyler comes back, like you could easily get sunk on the win total, like in the last six games of the season, seven games of the season. Um, and he might be playing for his career. Like he might be like literally, or not his career, but his time in Arizona, he might be playing for his time in Arizona. So like, I struggle to believe that they're going to be like, oh, whatever, like sit it out. We'll tank this year. Like, I don't think that's going to happen because he might not be in Arizona if they tank. I think that's without question what's going on there. I mean, they have, they're going to have their first round, their first round pick, which is again, with a four and a half win total projected to be pretty high. And they're going to have the Texans first round pick as well uh, with that trade. So like they're set up to be looking at a couple of early draft picks. And we know we have at least two quarterbacks that are projected to go very, very high, if not one, two in next year's draft. So 
um, you know, in terms of like the past coaching trees. And again, I think sometimes this can get a little bit noisy and it's maybe pretty thin, uh, depending on, you know, how frequent guys have changed and who they've been working with. You know, the Gannon-Penzing thing, they overlapped in Minnesota with Kevin Stefanski. And again, we know that Penzing last year was with Stefanski again in Cleveland. So, you know, Stefanski is a guy in general that I think a lot of people like that is analytically minded and, uh, you know, hopeful that we see some good stuff out of Penzing. But again, I don't know what the expectations are for, you know, Arizona in terms of what's a good season. What are the goals? What are they looking to accomplish this season? So definitely will be interesting to watch, especially early as, as Connor referenced. Uh, Atlanta. Uh, continuation with uh, Arthur Smith, but they have made a change in defensive coordinator. Ryan Nielsen comes over. He's been in the Saints organization, basically with Dennis Allen for the last six, seven years. Uh, and it'd be interesting to see, again, how thin is the correlation between what they did in New Orleans? Is that what Nielsen's going to want to do in Atlanta? Because if it is, there's going to be a little bit of shift um, in terms of like man-to-man rate. New Orleans has been one of the highest teams in man-to-man rate over the last handful of years. Arizona on the other end ran very little man-to-man last year. Uh, Blitz rates are kind of the same, but in terms of single high, too high safety, um, what New Orleans and Atlanta did last year was very different. Uh, Clark, do you have any thoughts on Nielsen here coming to Atlanta? Not much, but I'm optimistic because Atlanta's defense has been so bad uh, in, in recent years and their scheme has developed such little pressure that a lot of times people say, well, it's because they have no players that can create pressure. And and maybe that's part of it. Like I said, it's hard to extricate the coach impact. But I think having a new coordinator and having all these new defensive pieces, they've got good cornerbacks, which is going to come in handy if they play a lot of man, um, I think at least raises the expectation for this defense because it was so low before. And we see this all the time. Teams that perform at, at one end or the other of performance, in this case, Atlanta's defense, tend to skew towards the middle when they get a new leader just just by the way the game works and by probabilities yeah connor anything to add nope we can move on there all right baltimore you guys are both pretty bullish on baltimore we talked about them last and i understand uh why especially offensively and now we have todd munkin coming back to the nfl uh as the offensive coordinator greg roman outs i think some of the greg roman stuff i think think he's probably a good offensive coordinator but i can understand why you'd want to change and munkin's been a guy that has been all over the place uh, really kind of made a name for himself when he was just letting it fly when he was in Tampa Bay with uh, with Jameis Winston, Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, a few years back. Uh, went to uh, Cleveland. It didn't go so well with Baker and all, you know Freddie Kitchens and all that. There has been with Georgia uh, in college football and leading them to a couple national championships as the offensive coordinator there. Back in the NFL with Baltimore and everything we're hearing here, Connor, in the last couple of days from. Uh, from Lamar Jackson, and he's very, very excited. And I, I get it, too, because Monken has been a guy that is not just air raid. Um, he's been able to really adapt based off of his personnel, which is a fantastic sign. So uh, talk to me about this move. Yeah, that's the biggest thing for me is he's really like kind of adjusted his strategy. If we look at Georgia, so Georgia obviously has been dominant the past few years with Todd Monken, an offensive coordinator. And a lot of people are like, oh, OK, well, they're attributed to the talent. I mean, Stetson Bennett is the quarterback. Uh, their offensive line is obviously very good but none of their wide receivers are really like true NFL talent. They have Brock Bowers, who is like, you know, generational tight end talent, but like, I mean, he's a tight end, you know, like he was their leading receiver as a tight end. Uh, And so I don't know. I like, the more I think about it, the more I think that like, wow, like this could be a really big thing for Lamar and two, and some people are going to say, oh, well, you know, Greg Roman kind of had him in like a, not a gimmicky offense, but more of like a college style, you know, they're running a lot of like, you know, read options and things of that sort. Like Lamar played in a pro style offense in college. I mean, this is nothing that he can't necessarily do, even though he's not necessarily viewed as like 
a pro style quarterback. I think it's something that he's capable of doing. And given that Munkin is kind of, I guess, aired towards talent maximization and maybe he learned a lot of Georgia too. I mean, obviously they were incredible. So like, it's one of those things where they have more talent. They, you know, I, I'm a believer in Munkin's ability to kind of scheme things up for him. And like Lamar said, like they're going to be doing more passing, a little less running. I mean, inevitably, I mean, Lamar has been like running a ton. And I still think though, that we're probably going to see still a decent amount of running like Zion Lamar runs, because I think Munkin kind of will lean into that at some points. Uh, it just maybe not as much as Greg Roman did. Yeah, probably fewer schemes, you know, design runs, but I still think he, again, not running would be, you know, neglect uh, with, with Lamar Jackson. Uh, Clark, talk to me about this one. I'm excited about this impact on the offense. I mean, I I, I remember these, these plays watching Greg Roman's offense where like two receivers would end up in the same spot and like it happened way too frequently. Um, and I, I think Todd, I went back and looked at the Bucks uh, EPA per play and success rate back when he was, coordinating that offense with Jameis Winston and they were much better at passing than they were at running. They were a really bad running team, but they were a pretty decent passing team. And I think that one, that's huge in the NFL. It's the most important thing. And two, we haven't seen Lamar Jackson in that kind of pass heavy offense. So I think I'm optimistic about how it's going to play out, especially with the weapons they have. Um, And especially looking back at like being how bad Jameis Winston ended up being as a quarterback, like that was the best he's played in his career, right? So he got the best out of Jameis Winston that anyone's gotten. Um, so I think expecting Lamar Jackson to be at his best in the passing game, I think is a reasonable expectation. Um, and I'm pretty open-minded about about what that looks like. Yeah, the ceiling here is is pretty exciting considering you're going to have a you know, a NFL, this generation of NFL type of offensive coordinator in, in terms of the forward pass. And then just the, the surrounding cast is like nothing we've really seen for Lamar with Bateman and Odell on the outside, Zay Jones, Arizay Flowers in, in the slot. Really exciting. I don't know what, the, like, again, we should probably temper our expectations for rookies in general, especially rookie, um, you know, receivers that are coming in, having to learn the NFL. But, like, man, where Lamar is really good is over the middle of the field. We see that with, with you know, Mark Andrews and Zay in this offense when they go three receivers is, is going to be the slot receiver. I'm excited about Zay Flowers in this offense this year. So that's going to be interesting to watch it. The defense can hold up. They're going to be really good contenders. If not, like we should see some crazy like fantasy outputs from, from Lamar in this offense. It's going to be a pretty exciting one to watch. Uh, Buffalo made the list because surprisingly, Leslie Frazier uh, kind of just taking a year off. I'm just trying to find more information about it. There's just not a ton, but Sean McDermott is a defensive minded head coach and he'll be taking over the play calling duties uh, Connor, do you have anything to add to, to Buffalo with Sean McDermott? You know, no new coach, but basically Frazier out. Not really. I think it'll probably look pretty similar. I don't know, Clark, any any dramatic changes there? For me, it's kind of the same. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Leslie Frazier is a well-liked guy. Like, um, so you could see some, you know, some disruption to the defense. But scheme-wise, I think they're going to pretty much run, run it back. Yeah, leaning on Ken Dorsey, obviously, to be able to – really just handle the offense where McDermott's going to have, you know, obviously a little bit more lean and defensive responsibilities going in. So it's definitely interesting to watch, but I wouldn't expect any major, major changes there. Carolina obviously has, um, you know, changed everything across the board. Frank Wright comes in. You know, I don't know that I would say surprising that he was let go, but again, not surprising that he got a job immediately. It's clearly butting heads in terms of what to do at the quarterback position. Uh, you know, Just kind of the first time that they had really stumbled since Frank Wright had been there. And again, it deserves a lot of credit for, you know, Philly winning that first Super Bowl a handful of years ago. Uh, brings over Thomas Brown, who had been with the Rams the last couple of years. But this will be Frank Reich's offense. Thomas Brown will be offensive coordinator by name. 
Um, and Ejiro Evro, who's been, he got a number of head coaching interviews. Uh, he was the defensive coordinator with Denver last year. Uh, he interviewed for a lot of these jobs, but decided to stay and be the defensive coordinator again, give it one more year. And again, a nice young defense that could be pretty exciting here. Uh, Clark, I'll kick you to with Carolina. Yeah, Ejiro Evro did such a good job with Denver last year. And and there was a moment, not just, not, not only did he get head coaching interviews, he was offered the interim head coaching job in Denver when they fired Hackett and he declined, which I thought was a really interesting move because he didn't want to be head coach of a crappy team and like get all that kind of bad juju or whatever. He was like, I'm going to wait until I'm ready and to like take over as head coach. I just thought that was a, a really cool uh, like character move on his part. Um, and so I'm optimistic about his, his role. He knows what he has to do. He's got some talent on the, on the Panthers defense. Um, as far as the offense goes, Frank Reich has such a good reputation and gets a lot of uh, respect. I'm just not sure that I've seen that evidence on the field. Like I said, my judgment of coaches is based on what I see on the field. And I'm not sure that I've seen much in Indianapolis that makes me super excited about him. Uh, but there's a lot of smart people that really, really like him. So uh, this is a team that I have wide uh, ranges of outcomes on going into the season. So it'll be a team that I adjust rapidly to when uh, when I see the evidence on the field, whether that's up or downside. Yeah, uh, to be fair, and then Connor, your thoughts. You know, Frank Gregg was getting basically every quarterback's last year um you know rotating door there too so it's really hard to to implement stuff um what are your thoughts on the carolina stuff connor yeah i think uh, i mean frank Reich. you got to kind of go back to like philly to really see anything valuable i think because <laughs> yeah there wasn't a whole lot there in, in indy but i do think kind of like we mentioned earlier with uh you know some of the issues in arizona here thomas brown i think really will be able to lean on frank reich in this specific uh spot he also mentioned that they're going to be running like an rpo heavy offense which doesn't necessarily mean read options with a you know smaller guy like Bryce, where the quarterback obviously has the option of handing it off or running himself. I just think it's going to be a lot of you know maybe handoff or a quick throw, and I think that's a, an important differentiation because I think sometimes when people hear you know RPOs, they think a lot of quarterback running, and I don't think that's necessarily going to be the case for a guy like Bryce. So um, yeah, like looking at this offense specifically, I'm not entirely sure what to expect because I again that hasn't really been Frank Reich's mo either. So I think it's going to be kind of an interesting blend of of everything uh i'm you know cautiously optimistic i would say and then evero i struggle with those kinds of these kinds of coordinators because i think that there is a lot of talent on denver's defense and so i don't know whether to attribute that to the defensive coordinator or to the actual talent but like clark said like you saw them play good so we can't really say anything other than like he's probably a good defensive coordinator you know like i think the a great example of this in the past was like adam gase who you know was the quarterback whisperer in Chicago that became head coach in, in uh, New York. And it was like an absolute disaster. Um, so I don't know. I think there's various examples on either side, but like parsing through whether it was the talent or the coach is like one of the more fun, I guess, tasks and something that is, I think, pretty difficult, honestly. It is. I think the jump from coordinator to, to head coach is completely different because really you're the leader of the locker room, right? We've seen historically a bunch of guys, even going back to like the Dave Wanstead to the world, like fantastic coordinator uh, in, and then gets head coaching job and it just doesn't work. And then they try it again after he is great as a coordinator, Wade Phillips. There's just been a bunch of guys over the last 30, 40 years in the NFL that uh, just are great at their job but when they have to get up and really lead the team or do all the stuff that involves being a head coach in the league definitely a different task. So your, your point on Everett was correct, right? He was part of the Rams defense uh, back when that was successful. Pivots over to Denver, talent, 
remains really high. And in Carolina, he's also now acquiring a pretty loaded, young, talented defense there. So set up for success and will probably be making the circuit as far as uh, head coaching jobs next year as well. Um, but the Broncos did have a bunch of defensive injuries last year and maintain their level of play outside of getting absolutely torched by Baker Mayfield um, <laughs> and the Rams. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I think a lot of it was talent, but he also definitely made the most out of it. Yeah. All the kids had to watch that one on Nickelodeon. That was the, uh, or isn't that like the Christmas Eve Nickelodeon game or something like that? Yeah. Like, wow, yeah right the, the, what do they call it? Like, not splash bowl or whatever, something like that, but it's yeah. Like, uh, slime bowl. Or, slime yeah. bowl. That's what it is. Yeah. yeah. All right. Dallas, uh, Kelmore had to get out of there. He's trying to score too many points. Brian Schottenheimer is in, uh, although this is going to be a Mike McCarthy led offense in terms of play calling. Uh, Connor, what are your thoughts on uh, Dallas's moves here in the offseason? Yeah, I found this one specifically interesting because considering Brian Schottenheimer was fired in Seattle for throwing too much uh, like midway through the season previously. And so what, what is interesting, though, is, too, is he was an offensive analyst for the Cowboys like last year. And so my guess is that him and McCarthy just became buddy buddy. And he was kind of like, hey, like, you know, just hire me like, you know, we'll do it your way. And so I think that it's going to be that. Because I think maybe Shoddy learned his lesson, like, you know, when he clashed with Pete Carroll, where he was just trying to, I mean, they were putting up points, you know, but like, again, their defense wasn't good enough to like hang around. And so Pete Carroll viewed that as like, a, we can't do this. Like, this is not a viable thing for us to win games. And so I'm interested to see how that, I, I would say almost certainly we're going to see another clash. Like that's, I would say that it's probably going to happen at some point in this season, but unless he just gives like McCarthy's offense and like Shoddy's just there, like in name, basically. I think that's kind of what it's going to be, Clark. What are your thoughts? I have two reasons for some optimism here. The first is uh, having Tony Pollard as the running back, I think is a massive upgrade. Um, and so if they want to run the ball, they at least have a, a good offensive line and a fantastic running back to do it with. Uh, the second thing is Kellen Moore has had some strengths in game planning in the sense that he would tailor each week's game plan to the specific opponent, which was impressive. But I feel like he maybe overdid it. So like he would stubbornly be like, today we're just going to run the ball all day. Today, we're only going to pass because this defense is really good against the run. Um, and I think what ends up happening when you play only to the weaknesses of your opponents is you don't have a plan A. Everything is a reaction. And so when they would get into the playoffs, there wasn't like, a, okay, game's on the line. We just need to be us and like win this game. And so that's what, part of the reason why I think they've struggled historically in the playoffs. So I think maybe Schottenheimer and McCarthy can at least identify like, this is what we want to do as an offense. And if they're able to identify who they are, they'll at least have a plan A that they can go into games with and try to dictate rather than uh, re react. Um, so that could be a, a positive in the long run. If Dak had played the full game against Tampa, I think he would have ended up with like the last two years, like over 100 pass attempts in those two games combined, something like that, like outrageous. Because, I mean, that, that was like the clear like run funnel or pass funnel defense of all time like, the last two years. And, I mean, they just threw it every single play. Yeah, two years ago, remember that opening night game where yep. they just chucked it like every mm -hmm. single time and people were losing their mind like, oh, this is what Dallas is going to be this year. And it's like, mm, this is not necessarily what Dallas is going to be all year. Uh, it was the right time to do that. So, yeah, to Clark's point, kudos to your offensive coordinator not being, all right, this is my system. This is what we're doing. We need to be able to be pliable depending on what our you know opponent does really well. So, uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see. I do think it's going to be a heavy load of, of what McCarthy wants to do there as well. <laughs> Right, Denver. Uh, Sean Payton comes to town, uh, gets the bag five for ninety, along with a bunch of draft picks. They have now given up six combined first or second round picks 
in the last couple of years to land Sean Payton and Russ. Uh, Joel Lombardi comes over after being a coordinator for a couple of years in uh, LA with the Chargers. Um, again, much maligned for any you know Justin Herbert fans out there. It was very frustrating about um, how Lombardi used him a little bit. But again, these two spent a lot of time together. Lombardi was basically on Peyton's staff in, in New Orleans for like 10 out of 12 years or something like that. Uh, defensive coordinator Vance Joseph comes along as well. Kudos to Vance Joseph for, I don't know, uh, he, he was the head coach here a couple of years ago to come back and take a defensive coordinator job and not be uh, too prideful to do that is I think, you know, speaks to his character as well. Clark, I'll give you the floor first to talk about the Broncos. This is a super interesting one, probably the most interesting. I did a bunch of research last offseason on Russell Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett, and the biggest takeaway I came into the season with was how awful of a fit they were. Like, Russell Wilson is reliant on the deep ball, really tries to push it downfield. It doesn't make good decisions in the quick short game. Like, he he doesn't respond well, and that's probably what his biggest problem was last year. Whereas Nathaniel Hackett was all about the short game, the quick decisions, the, you know, the Aaron Rodgers style offense. Um, and Sean Payton's the same way. And Joe Lombardi's the same way. Like Drew Brees was the absolute master at taking what the defense gives. Like the defense blitzes, he knows exactly where to put it and can put it there perfectly. Russell Wilson, not the case. Um, so I'm really curious as to how this sort of blend is going to work. Last year, Russell Wilson showed no inclination of changing his style of play. No matter how many defenses ran those two high shells and took away the big plays, he just continued to try to force it. And that led to a bunch of sacks and a bunch of bad plays. Um, I don't think that Sean Payton is going to fix Russell Wilson. That's my ultimate stance. Um, I bet the Broncos to miss the playoffs last year. I haven't bet it this year, but um, I'm I'm because Sean Payton's frankly better than Nathaniel Hackett. I still just don't think it's a good fit. Um, and I'm I'm very pessimistic that this is going to work out well for the Broncos this year. Clark lives in Colorado. The I think only one of us on the panel here has a Broncos starter jacket, uh, and that's Connor Allen. Connor, what are your thoughts on the Broncos moves? Yeah, I don't know. I think I'm a little bit more optimistic than Clark. Um, not necessarily for I would say great reasoning, but I think that uh, he's. I just think I'm a big believer in Sean Payton's coaching. I think that Joe Lombardi was just like a legitimately horrendous fit for Justin Herbert in a lot of ways, but just because of like. I mean, it's like keeping a, a Ferrari in a garage, I would say, in some senses. Um, and a, a part of that I do with personnel, obviously, of who they had on the field. But, uh, you know, I just think at this point, like, I would say Russell Wilson might be a slightly better, uh, you know, fit. But at that point, like to Clark's point, like, I mean, Russell Wilson was kind of like at his best. You know, it's like a lot of running, play action, and those like perfectly thrown deep balls. Uh, and so that's not that's not exactly what we saw in Sean Payton's offense with Drew Brees. Um but maybe he's able to tailor that a little bit more to Russ. Like maybe, maybe Sean Payton, you know, a little bit of time off is kind of able to change the offense a little bit and just has worked with a shorter quarterback in the past and kind of can understand what will work and just like what straight up can't work and like what it needs to happen. And if it doesn't, I mean, he's already suggested that he's open to making a quarterback change. Like he's already said like, Hey, you know, bring in Jared Stidham. If it doesn't work out with Russ, like, you know, we're going to just move on. And uh, I kind of like that level of confidence in their own system. Maybe it's, you know, unwarranted, but I don't know. I'm kind of interested. And I think that it'll be a, a massive test of like whether or not Sean Payton's actually like a fantastic coach. It's going to be a fun one to watch. I think Vance Joseph is a great example of what we were talking about earlier, right? Where he, you know, two seasons, they won like five games and six games and he got ousted as the head coach. But like that Arizona defense was not one of the worst in the league. And it probably should have been just on paper the last couple of years. And he's done a really, he did a really good job 
Um, again, also being pliable when you look, kind of look at what they've done over the last couple of years, it really ranged in terms of, you know, pre-snap formations, blitz rates, like all those things were not very, um, you know, sticky. They tended to be, you know, game plan dependent. So Vance Joseph is a guy that I think is probably a really good defensive coordinator. And again, in a spot where they have a lot of talent there still defensively, I think it was a nice addition there to come into that staff. And again, while the offense kind of figures out the bumps in the road, I think the defense is going to be able to kind of, you know, buoy them and keep them competitive a little, a little bit along the way. Texans are next. Uh, another cleaning of house. Um, you know, D'Amico Ryans comes in after being a defensive coordinator with the Niners. Obviously, a former Texan himself brings along uh, Bobby Slowick, which is a very interesting story. Bobby Slowick had been, um, he worked actually first connected with Shanahan. Again, obviously, this, you know, San Francisco ties here with, with Ryans. Uh, back in Washington a long time ago, and then had a couple years off. He worked for PFF for like three years, uh, then got scooped back up by Shanahan when he went to San Francisco and has you know worn many hats. And last year was the passing game coordinator, um, and then also Matt Burke, who's this guy's been in the league for like 20 years. And I was looking at he, he's basically trying to work for every team in the league. Um, so congratulations to the Burke family. It looks like you're going to be at least in Houston for at least two years. That's not something that's been very common for the Burke household. But uh, uh, Connor, what are your thoughts on uh, D'Amico Ryan's here in Houston? Yeah, so this kind of made me a little bit more optimistic in the whole. So the defensively, I don't. I mean, I don't really think Burke is necessarily a very good def- defensive coordinator. Houston, it won't PC even matter. Man. Like, yeah, yeah, like it doesn't Ryan's. even matter. Yeah, exactly. So, like, if you look at Burke's metrics, you know, he was at D.C. for two years. They were, like, bottom five in every metric, like, two straight years. Points allowed, you know, whatever, uh, yards. Like, if that's what you care about, I mean, it's just, like, an easy overview of, like, they probably weren't a very good defense. Um, But then if you look at Bobby Sloak, I think Sloak is really interesting. So, obviously, the Shanahan tree is important. But when you look at what C.J. Stroud is able to do and, like, the common knock on, uh, you know, Ohio State quarterbacks is, like, hey, like, Ohio State, they're just running crossers. Like, there's guys open all the time. Like, that's exactly what the Shanahan thing, like, you know, play action crossers is like, you know, that is exactly what they're able to do. And I'm like, okay, well, they added a little bit of talent. Mechie's coming back. Like the offensive line should be okay. Um, I mean, if CJ Stroud is anything, like, I'm not saying this offense is going to be good, but like, I mean, they might not be like bottom five anymore. Like, I mean, they might be like, you know, middle of the pack. And I think that would be a massive step up for them if those things play out, obviously. Now that there's a lot of assumptions being made in there, but uh it made me just a little bit more interested in this offense where I th- already thought there was a couple pieces. Now at this point, like if you add in a guy who maybe we don't know about, he's also another guy though, who is on a pillar. He has nothing to lean on. It's going to be all Bobby Slowick uh, show in town. So we'll see how it works, but I think it's a little bit more volatile than most people are giving credit towards. Yeah. The, the offensive line is good too. So yeah, I do think the, I think it could be, you know, step forward here offensively. They don't really have a number one receiver. It's basically three number threes and they're Nico Collins. Like the last couple of days, we've been seeing a lot of tank Dell stuff like Stroud and Dell are so excited. He played in Houston, staying in Houston, uh, really small, but very exciting prospect when the ball's in his hands. And then, as you mentioned, Michi coming back from uh, Bobby trees, bro. Bobby trees, Bobby trees. Yeah. You know, yeah, you're right, Bobby trees. Like, so, I mean, you know, he's like Dalton a- Schultz came over as well. So um, not great talent, but better <laughs> talent for sure. Right. It's uh, kind of like the Jags though. Like, I mean, you know, they added a bunch of like, well, I guess these guys are worse than the Jags, but I mean like below average guys who like, kind of like, you know, help last a year's bit. Jags. Yeah, yeah. Last year's Jags. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Clark Houston, what are your thoughts? I think when, anytime you have a first time head coach, first time offense coordinator, first rookie quarterback, I don't see how anyone can have a strong opinion on who the Texans are going to be this year. Um, What I like about D'Amico Ryans is his defense in San Francisco wasn't just based on talent. Like, yes, they had a bunch of talent, obviously. 
But when you watch every snap like I do, you see the level of intensity that the players play with. And the, the number one thing that I took away from watching the San Francisco defense was how quickly and how aggressively they tackled. They gang tackled on every single play. It made it so hard to, for teams to, you know, turn screen passes into gains, to run the ball, all those kinds of things. And to me, that speaks to a willingness of the players to play hard for D'Amico Ryans. Um, and, and I don't know how that how that's going to translate to being a head coach, but I think it's, I'm, I'm thinking optimistically because that sort of like, you know, intangible leader of men quality uh, is really important to get your team's buy-in and get their best effort on the field. And I think D'Amico Ryans has that. Like, I, I, I think he can be a real leader, build some culture in addition to implementing a, a strong defensive scheme. So we'll see how the offense goes. It's a complete unknown. Um, like you said, I think there's reason for optimism that people aren't necessarily buying into. Um, I am. I, I find myself more optimistic on the Texans overall than than the market. Um, so I'm excited to see what it looks like. Yeah, it's gonna be a fun one to watch. And again, you got a nice big contract. I think the leash is probably pretty long. And in these situations where you have a defensive minded head coach, and as Connor's talked about, these guys are kind of by themselves, offensive coordinator wise, no one to lean on. Like Slow can be out in the mix in terms of like head coaching rounds next year, right? If he shows that he's a guy and he can lead this offense and it can be what Connor's talking about, then all of a sudden, you know, he's, then you're in the same position next year trying to find, you know, his replacement. So uh, it definitely is an interesting dynamic in the league nowadays where I think teams are definitely looking to poach young. I think Slowak's like 35 years old. He's not, a, he's not a, um, an old guy. He's not been around. Um, those are moves that a lot of teams are looking to make nowadays. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Colts also uh, offensively have made a change. Gus Bradley stays on as a defensive coordinator, but Shane Steichen comes over from Philadelphia, offensive coordinator there. Uh, Jim Bob Cooter, uh, we know from uh, his time with the Lions as the offensive coordinator, was the Jags passing coordinator last year. He's the offensive coordinator by name, but this will be a Shane Steichen offense. Talked about really the – and Steichen did a good job. He was in L.A. with the Chargers. He's been also another guy that's been able to adapt based off of the talent he has in the team. And, again, the – not really hard to draw a straight line between Jalen Hurts type offense versus what we're going to expect from Anthony Richardson a little bit here when he finally takes over. Connor, what are your thoughts about Indy's move with Shane Steichen? Yeah, I think one thing that I came across here was that I'm pretty convinced that Matt, Matt Patricia ruined Jim Bob Cooter's career because he was like a legitimate uh, like candidate to be getting like, you know, better jobs and like potential. I mean, maybe he had coaching mix. There's some like rumors about that when their lines were crushing it uh, like prior to hiring Patricia, but then, I mean, they sucked and then he got fired and like, you know, I, I mean, I blame Patricia. I think Patricia's a bum. So I think that that was like entirely on him. So I'm cautiously optimistic, not to mention, like you said, it is going to be mostly chain stacking offense. I mean, I guess my worry is that uh, Richardson isn't developed enough really to kind of do a lot of the stuff that we saw with Hertz. Um, and Hertz obviously was a much better passer coming out of college, but again, Hertz played in the Lincoln Riley offense at Oklahoma, uh, whereas, you know, Anthony Richardson played at Florida. So it's like the parallels are there but I think that they're a little bit messy to draw a straight line. Uh, so I would say that I'm interested and I'm not necessarily like optimistic or pessimistic, just interested, I guess, to see what it looks like. We thought Jalen Hurts was a bum at Alabama. Did. It was not good, right? He was, and horrible. It was and He was a terrible passer. He was legitimately awful. terrible. Yeah. Very, very limited as a passer. So the, the move to Oklahoma and the success there was a testament to his development, but also, you know, I think definitely – you know, he saw the light a little bit through a Lincoln Riley offense and that continued in his development. Again, kudos to him for being able to work and develop and, and grow. So it's like, you know, these aren't finished products at 21 years old. Uh, and I think that'll be the, the same for Anthony Richardson. But Clark, what are your thoughts on Indy? Yeah, Steichen got one of the most productive 
rookie seasons out of Justin Herbert and then and then turned Jalen Hurts into a you know a stud quarterback. So he's got the track record. And this is kind of a win-win situation for him. If if Richardson sucks, then it's kind of like, well, Richardson wasn't developed. He, you know, he was too raw, like he just or he just wasn't a good quarterback, whatever. But if Richardson succeeds, it's like, well, now his resume is Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts, Anthony Richardson, like, you know, solidifies him as some kind of quarterback whisperer. So I think it's a it's a good situation for Steichen. I'm, I'm optimistic. I, I give him some credit for what happened in Philadelphia. Um, I think his scheme really helped Jalen Hurts. But the offensive line was really, really good. So the Colts have struggled on that front. And so I think that's going to be my biggest question is how does the scheme account for having a weaker offensive line? Does he rely on the skills that Jalen Hurts had and the time in the pocket? If so, could be a long season for Richardson. Um, so I'm also very interested, like Connor said. Yeah, and we also shouldn't pretend that uh, Alec Pierce and Michael Pittman are A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith either, right? Those are some other things that are uh, drastically different from what uh, he's coming into. Again, I'm planting my flag. I don't know that it's happening this year, but I, I believe that Anthony Richardson's got it, right? That non-quantifiable thing um, that the, is going to, right? I mean, we don't know what it is, but it, people have it, and I think Anthony Richardson does too, and I'm excited to see you know, how the next three, four years go. And I mean, probably what doesn't get three, right? He's probably going to be one or two. If it starts to go really bad after late in one, and he doesn't have in the second year. It's kind of the way the world works nowadays. I'm just stoked to bet some Anthony Richardson passing unders. Honestly, like, I mean, like 150 yards week one, I'm going under. Like, I mean, he's not going to, like, they're just not going to, th- like, he's not going to be able to throw right away. So I'm, I'm pumped. I'm, I'm really excited, <laughs> honestly. I don't want to bet a full season under just because, I mean, the number is like 2,800. So it's like aggressively low, but like, I'd consider it. Yeah. It'd be fun to watch. I'm telling you, it's going to be fun. Uh, Kansas City made a change. I don't know if we have to really talk about it, but Matt Nagy had been there for uh, last year as the quarterback coach. He's obviously replacing Eric Bieniemy, But, again, it's his Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes. Anyone have anything to add about Matt Nagy taking over as the play caller, which isn't even the case? I think people forget that uh, Mitchell Trubisky and the Bears' offense was legitimately good in 2018 uh, prior to Matt Nagy's fall and Mitchell Trubisky's fall. Uh, there was guys running consistently wide open, and they were legitimately decent. So, no, he cannot tank Patrick Mahomes in the Chiefs' offense. They'll be just fine. All right, the Chargers, again, uh, made a coordinator change. Uh, well, two of them. Uh, Kellen Moore, as we referenced earlier with Dallas, has come in as the offensive coordinator. We talked about some of the things that Moore did really well his time in Dallas, basically always among the league leaders in terms of you know, points per game. They played fast. They ran a ton of no huddle. Uh, you know, shout out to Pat Thorman, a great tweet, kind of just compiling everything that happened when Dak was in the lineup and Kellen Moore was the offensive coordinator. This is one of the best offenses in the league. Uh, we know the Chargers have the talent to step in and be there. And if we can get, again, a little bit more than that, uh, you know, Ferrari in the garage type of scenario that we keep talking about, what, what Lombardi did with Justin Herbert, it's going to be an exciting offense to watch. Derek Ansley was the uh, defensive back coach. He takes over as the defensive coordinator. Again, Brandon Staley will be still calling plays defensively. Interesting, Ronaldo Hill, who was the defensive coordinator last year, is now the passing game coordinator in Miami. So switching sides of the ball. But uh, Clark, I'll kick it to you. You've been very bullish on the Chargers. And uh, what are your thoughts about Kellen Moore? I'm excited about Kellen Moore. Um, you know, for all the reasons you just mentioned, I don't think I have anything to add to that. I I do want to talk a little bit about Brandon Staley, which I know is is outside the purview. But the the hate for Brandon Staley is pretty intense, man. Uh, especially among like some sharp betters that I know, and I just don't I just don't really understand it. Um, like you know, people will say like I'm not going to bet the Chargers because of Brandon Staley. You know, I don't trust him as a as a head coach. But last year they they won ten games and made the playoffs with massive injury impacts. That's that 
lost them several games. So first of all, they were pretty good last year, even despite whatever in, ineffectiveness you think he has. Um, and then two, it's like the criticisms are things like, well, he played his starters deep in week 18, you know, and, and shouldn't have. And it's like, okay, but I don't see how that like changes how a team plays. Like, you know, a head coach's job is to get the team to play well. Like those kinds of personnel decisions aren't really factoring into my handicaps. And then the last thing is like, you know, he was super aggressive when he came out as a head coach, like going for it on fourth down, uh, you know, too much, frankly. And then he kind of pulled back. Like obviously someone in management was like, hey, you need to take it easy. Uh, he pulled back a little bit too far last year. But the thing about it is like fourth down decision-making is so fluid, you know, like game to game, it changes moment to moment. It changes. Like I'm not relying on him making bad decisions or good decisions. I'm just saying how well is he preparing his team? And his defensive game plans got better over the course of the year. Like I remember specifically, uh, he did a really good job against Tua and the Dolphins that most defenses had struggled with. He like really caused them problems. So I think he's starting to get comfortable in his role as defensive coordinator. And with Kellen Moore, a competent offense coordinator, I think he can kind of let Kellen Moore run the offense with Justin Herbert and have a little bit more synergy there. Um, and he can focus on the defense. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm optimistic on both sides of the ball with the Chargers. Um, and I think Kellen Moore is an addition, and I think Brandon Staley is underrated. So I'm excited about this. Yeah, they just need to stay healthy, right? We'd be really interested to see what happens with this team, given the roster on both sides of the ball, uh, if they're able to stay healthy. Um, should be should be fun to watch. I think it is kind of a make-or-break season, though, for Staley. If they can't really take the next step, I think it's going to be one of those spots where um, you could be looking out. Um, all right, Rams. Um, Liam Cohn went back as the offensive coordinator, uh, went back to Kentucky, and left a void there again, knowing that this is still Sean McVay's offense. Um, this is what um, Sylvie would always talk about the cocoon. Uh, Michael LaFleur booted from the Jets as the offensive coordinator, slides right back in with his buddy Sean McVay. But again, Sean McVay's offense here, similar to Matt Nagy. Anyone have any Michael LaFleur thoughts? Let me keep it moving. Yeah, it's McVay's offense. And again, like I, I'm not going to put either of you on the spot. Um, and this is not necessarily something you spend a ton, a ton of time digging into. I challenge anyone who's listening, name a defensive starter for the Rams other than Aaron Donald. Second, name two. You cannot do it. This is by far the worst defense in the league. They're going to be using a bunch of rookies. Uh, if they have, it's, It is a disaster defensively for the Rams. Um, I promise you cannot name a second uh, guy. It's, it's really, really, really bad. Um, so yeah, before I got dug into it and started doing some like tackles work the other day, I could only think of one. So, um, and again, I spend my hand, my hands in the dirt, uh, all year long. It's a very, very rough defensive year for, uh, for the Rams. So, all right. Uh, let's see next, the dolphins dolphins made a change defensive coordinator. Vic Fangio comes over. Um, Josh Boyer was a holdover that we talked about it last year. Like the, there were rumblings. The team was not very excited that he stayed on, um, you know, after Brian Flores left, but there are some commonalities to what, uh, Flores and Boyer did uh, with what Fangio does. And then there are some drastic, drastic differences in terms of um, scheme, in terms of how frequently they played single high, how frequently they play uh, too high, like literally the opposite, um, you know, light box, stack boxes, like they could not be more different. So very excited about what happens here with this Miami defense. They also are loaded talent wise at all three levels. We talked about this a little bit in our future show, wanting to get in, on Miami, um, it's really hard to not be bullish and encouraged about what this offense can do. 
if Tua is able to stay on the field. They improved, I think, with Mike White in terms of the backup job there. But the defensive side, they can do really anything they want. I mean, adding Jalen Ramsey, who will play outside in two receiver sets, but has done a lot of damage in terms of uh, being the slot corner the last couple of years. They added Cam Smith in the draft, um, who was really good at South Carolina. His film was really good. He didn't test well, so he's a little bit in the draft. But like to be able to have Zayvon Howard, Cam Smith, and be able to put Ramsey. They also have um, you know Cater Kua. Like they have a really nice secondary. Um, they added David Long. They added Deshaun Elliott. They, this defense is going to be really good. And Fangio has been a winner. Um, you know, basically another guy that probably fits the mode that we we're talking about earlier. He's just probably a defensive coordinator more so than a head coach. Uh, I'll let you go, Connor. What are your thoughts about Miami and Vic Fangio? A hundred percent. I I'm a big Vic Fangio guy. Uh, I mean, if we go back to his time in Chicago, it was kind of, it was another one of those things where they had legitimately like the worst or like bottom three defensive talent in the league. And they were like, fine, you know, they were average. And so to me, that proved a lot, obviously, you know, I just, he might not be a head coach kind of guy. Like if he can focus on the defense, I'm really excited about what he can do here, especially given all the talent that they have. So I think he is like a massive addition for them. In addition, obviously, all the other talent as well. I mean, one of the many reasons we like the Dolphins this year. Yeah. What do you got, Clark? Yeah, there's two defensive coordinators this year that I immediately upgrade the defense just by having him in charge. And this is one of them. Vic Fangio is an upgrade schematically and coaching wise. Um, We'll see how that looks like on the field. Like, you know, I'll adjust based on what we see as always, but Vic Fangio's schemes are top-notch um, and he knows what he's doing. And I'm excited for the Dolphins defense. Yep. Still going to see a ton of man rate. I mean, uh, Fangio, his last year in Denver, they led the league in man rates. Miami was top five in man rate last year. So we'll see that. But a lot of the other stuff is going to look very different in the town upgrade at all three levels is, is pretty drastic. Um, same thing can be said for Minnesota. I'm interested if this is the other one for Clark. Uh, Minnesota making a defensive coordinator change here. Ed Donatel out uh, after his one year with Kevin O'Connell. Um, Flores spent last year uh, with Pittsburgh in terms of uh, coaching the linebackers, but also like, again, very, very different in terms of what he did at Miami. Um, Minnesota played almost exclusively zone last year. Uh, they played um, more zone than anyone else, barely played any man, were very vanilla. Uh, Flores likes to make it up, mix it up a little bit. They will play uh, a lot of man. They will blitz you um, in terms of light box, heavy box, stack box stuff, like very, very different. So, a little bit more exciting, I think, for Minnesota this year defensively. Clark, what are your thoughts on Flores? As a better, I'm disappointed because the Vikings defense was one of the easiest units to read in the league last year. Like, they'll give you what you want. So if you have a methodical offense that can capitalize against a soft passive zone, then you're going to do just fine against the Vikings, <clears throat> Cowboys. Um, but So I'm, I'm, I'm sad to be missing that. But uh, as far as if, if I'm a Vikings fan, which I'm not, but if I was, I'd be super excited. Um, Brian Flores is a great coach, great defensive coordinator. What he was able to do in Miami with, you know, kind of meh talent, uh, was a testament to his schemes, and it is very aggressive. So what I'm going to be looking for with this defense in particular is trying to identify when they're playing against a vulnerable passing attack, that vulnerable to pressure, maybe not making quick decisions. So like rookie quarterbacks and experienced quarterbacks, bad offensive lines, immobile quarterbacks. I think that, that this defense could cause those kinds of teams much more problems and take some of the weight off the Vikings offense having to win every game. Um, so I'm optimistic about the Vikings and specifically about the scheme changes. I think it's going to be good. Yeah. Connor, what do you have to add? Honestly, not much other than my only worry with the Vikings would be that they don't have the talent. Uh, if he can like, you know, I mean, that's still obviously the question. If he can maximize what he has, I think I'm, it's 
reason to be optimistic, but I mean, sometimes it's just, you don't have enough talent. There's just nothing you can do. Yeah, they will be banking on a number of uh, first and second year guys defensively. So it is uh, going to be a little bit of a change for, for Minnesota there. Uh, next, New England. <laughs> uh, look, Bill O'Brien comes back. Uh, Bill O'Brien spent six years in New England, um, you know, mostly 07 to 2012. Uh, Penn State, obviously the run in Houston, uh, the general manager in Houston for a number of years, which is crazy. Uh, last couple of years in Alabama. Look, it just it doesn't really matter. It's going to be a massive upgrade, even if you think Bill O'Brien is a complete donkey because the Joe Judge, Matt Patricia stuff was just abysmal. Now, again, it also maybe not doesn't matter here a ton because New England just doesn't have like top level competitive offensive playmakers. Um, even if Mac Jones takes a step forward, Connor, what are your thoughts on Bill O'Brien coming back? Yeah, I think it's easy to project a step forward, but then when you take a step back and consider like what they have, you know, Devontae Parker, Kendrick Bourne. Juju Smith Schuster, like the offensive line is probably gonna be fine. You know, it's like it's it's just one of those things where I don't know if Bill O'Brien, like we talked about Todd Munkin, like Todd Munkin was dealing with the guys who are not really NFL talent for the most part, um, outside of you know the offensive line and the defense, which he wasn't really in charge of for the most part. Now we have Bill O'Brien who's dealing with had a constant stream of NFL talent for the last few years of like high end, you know, Jameson Williams, Devonta Smith, Mechie was a baller in college. Like, I mean, these are like legitimately awesome guys. And now he has to work with, you know, Mac Jones, who was good. But again, like with those guys, like with like legitimate top end talent, now he's a bunch of bums. I mean, so I like I, I think he can take a step forward. But like it's just like there's nothing else to help. Like if he doesn't like if the Bill O'Brien thing doesn't work out, like, I mean, it's not going to be as bad as last year, but it's still not going to be great. Again, I will say that the New England talent is better than last year. It's still just not really competitive in terms of what's going on in the AFC, what's going on just in the AFC East. Again, you, you know, you need like Tyquan Thornton to step into a big second year here. Like this is kind of where the Patriots are at. Uh, Clark, what are your thoughts on B.O.B. going back to New England? It falls into the same category as the Falcons defense in that it's it's going to be better just because of how it works. Like when you're when you have that bad of an offense coordinator, like anyone's going to be an improvement. So I expect some regression towards the mean. Uh, but the, overall, I agree with Connor that the talent is going to limit the upside. Yep, uh, the Jets next. More cocoon going on here. Nathaniel Hackett comes over to be the offensive coordinator. Basically, I think is a recruiting tool for Aaron Rodgers. And congratulations, it worked. Um, any thoughts here, Clark, on Nathaniel Hackett? And it's obviously just going to be Aaron Rodgers' offense. Uh, what we saw in Green Bay when he was there with Hackett. It helps that you know they they have some familiarity. Like you always expect some growing pains when a new coordinator hooks up with a new quarterback. But uh, they should they should hit the ground running uh, to a certain extent. I know that there's a big angle of like, well, Aaron Rodgers sucks in week one. It's like, well, that was the last two years. But if you look back further, he's actually been fine. So I, I think that's just more noise than signal. Um, so I expect quick clicking between the two and and they'll, they'll, they'll be as good as they're going to be pretty early in the season. Uh, tough schedule for the Jets along with everyone else in the AFC East. Connor, what are your thoughts on hacking the Jets? Yeah, the Downing, the Todd Downing hire to be passing game coordinator and Nathaniel Hackett to be OC might have been the worst combo hire in the league by far, uh, I would say. But I just don't think it matters because Rodgers is there. So, like, if it was anyone else, I'd be like, holy shit, this offense is going to be terrible. Uh, but it's not. So maybe we just got to roll with Aaron Rodgers. The Eagles are going to be an interesting case. Obviously, we've already talked about both of their coordinators taking head coaching jobs. Um, so they've had to make some additions. Brian Johnson, who – is really close with Jalen Hurts, who's the quarterback coach here, uh, is taking over as the offensive coordinator. Again, we know Nick Sirianni uh, very much involved in terms of what's going on on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, and then Sean Desai comes over from Seattle. Um, he had 
got most of his pro reps in terms of uh, his coaching with the Bears. He was originally hired with the Mark Tressman group, stayed on through John Fox, through Matt Nagy, um, and then moved when you know Nagy moved on, took over last year as the assistant head coach in Seattle, um, helping on the defensive side. But again, like the talent is there. Can these guys come in and really not rock the boat? And maybe even Desai add something here, Clark, because we know we kind of agree with you. Like Jonathan Gagnon is pretty vanilla in terms of what they did, um, you know, pre-snap and even after the snap. Yeah, I, I expect there to be room for up for improvement. What we didn't see much last year was the Eagles' uh, defense getting exposed by good quarterbacks. We saw it in the Super Bowl. Uh, we saw it like a couple times throughout the year, but they just didn't really play that many teams that had a good offense. When they finally played the Niners, they didn't have a quarterback. Um, so I think there's room for the Eagles' defense to be better, but they also kind of hit the nuts last year with their record, with the schedule, with getting to the Super Bowl. So um, I think having continuity at head coach and quarterback and so many key leadership positions, center, you know, Kelsey's a big part of that team. Um, even defensively, there's a lot of guys there that are good. Um, I think that mitigates some of the potential downside from switching both coordinators up after a Super Bowl run. Um, so I'm expecting pretty much continuity in the net. You know, schedule will get tougher, so they might not have as good of a record, but they should be probably just as good of a team. Yeah, Clark makes a good point, Connor. This is an unusual situation to have both of these coordinators make moves. Um, but again, I think it's probably either, you know, a wash or I think there's actually upside defensively, as Clark's saying. What are your thoughts? I, I think there's a little bit more pressure on Desai, honestly, just because you're looking at Brian Johnson was the quarterback's coach. Near Sirianni was mostly an offensive guy. And, you know, like I think Desai's a little bit more on an island. Uh, that being said, they have plenty of talent. And, you know, I think that they're going to be fine. I, I mean, maybe there's some upside, but like, Versus last year, I think they're almost bound to be a disappointment in terms of like overall statistics, just because of how, again, like the schedule they played, how well they played, like all those things, like it's almost impossible for them to play that well again, I think. And so there will be some level of like letdown, I think, almost certainly. I mean, if they're like, you know, fringe top 10 instead of like fringe top three, which is like what the most metrics suggested last year. Yeah, when you get to the quarterback that frequently, um, and then not just get there, but actually you know get home and get the sacks, it's going to be really hard for them to replicate that. But I think some of the other stuff in terms of pass defense, like they were really, you can get to them over the middle. Um, you know, both linebackers were not very good in coverage. Now again, they've had a lot of change in the middle of the field too, so it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how that works in the first year. But yeah, I'm, I don't think that the Eagles really skip a beat here. I think they're still going to be one of the best. Uh, the Niners uh, obviously had to make a defensive coordinator change because their DCs keep getting plucked for head coaching job. Steve Wilkes, who probably should have got a head coaching job, uh, did a tremendous job making Carolina relevant after they moved on. Uh, last season comes in and replaces D'Amico Ryans. Uh, Connor, what are your thoughts on Steve Wilkes? Honestly, not a ton. It seems like when they had talent, like they were good. Like, I mean, early in the season before JC Horn got injured, it was like, um, I mean, they were, they've been, they've been good throughout, throughout certain times. It's just like one of those things that I don't know, like he just doesn't move the needle for me. I don't know. I mean, any, any thoughts on your end? I feel like you probably know better. Like he's just kind of like a meh hire to me. Well, I mean, they have a ton of talent still and that makes things uh, way easier. But again, I like right. what they were able to get out of the defensive side of the ball in Carolina last year, pretty young defense. And I think that was really spearheading their turnaround again. You know, Sam Darnold took over, didn't turn the ball over. They played good defense and stayed in games. Like, They've always, the last couple of years, like their front seven is tremendous. The back half is always questionable to me going into the season, but they always seem to outperform. So there definitely is something there coaching-wise. So we'll need that out of Wilkes again. Clark, what are your thoughts on uh, the Wilkes hire? 
Yeah, he doesn't move the needle much for me either, and D'Amico Ryan's did, so it's a potential downgrade. Uh, like what we got out of the 49ers defense last year was phenomenal. So the the bar is so high that he's going to have to be really, really good for the Niners to to be as good as they were last year. Yeah, questions going in last year with the young secondary, but all those guys really performed. Um, they stayed healthy, and if they can do that again, I think they're going to be in the mix. Uh, again, if they can get anything out of the quarterback position. Uh, Tampa Bay makes a change at offensive coordinator with uh, you know Dave Canellis coming in for Byron Leftwich. Uh, Canellis has been a part of the – I don't even say tree. Like He's been with Pete Carroll all the way back to USC. Um, they wore many hats on the offensive side of the ball in Seattle. Last year was the quarterback coach. Again, being a part of Geno Smith coming out of uh, nowhere and having a great year puts you on some uh, some radars, and they got himself an offensive coordinator position. Clark, what are your thoughts on Canales here moving on to uh, to Tampa Bay? No, no real priors on this. Uh, I mean, new quarterback, new coordinator again, mass, massive variance. Uh, Baker Mayfield has bounced around the league. If, if it's him starting, um, I'm excited to see him in a fresh start with good receivers, and if this you know, Dave Canales guy can, can get the most out of Baker Mayfield. I think they can be a competent offense. I think there's a, there's an upside to the Bucks team that I think nobody's talking about. I'm not betting it, <laughs> um, but I think it's there. Um, and, I, and I think that I'm, I'm more reserving my judgment on the Bucks, Whereas I think a lot of people are just kind of writing them off. I wrote them off, Connor. What are your thoughts on Tampa Bay? Yeah, I'm not as optimistic. I just think the offensive line is going to cause a lot of issues. And so uh, if the offensive line isn't even competent, which I, you know, I think we're projecting it most, at least most places have it kind of a little bit lower tier. Um, I worry. I also don't think Rashad White is very good. I don't think the running game is very good. So it's going to put a lot of stress on the passing game. Now, that being said, if the passing game is good, none of the rest of that matters. So, um, but uh, Canellas is another island coach here. I'll, I'll, I'll coin it. Uh, like Todd Bowles, the big defensive coordinator, or big defensive guy. I think that he's really good defensively, to be fair. I think that he kind of got a bad rap in his last, uh, you know, stint, but it's like, I think he's a legit good defensive guy. It's just a matter of whether or not the offense can do anything with Canella. So, yeah, I would say maybe I should be a little bit more open-minded, but I worry a little bit about the offensive line. Yeah, Baker was bad last year. Um, you know, if you go a full sample of, of what he did in terms of, in time in Carolina, and then if you even break it down when he was at the Rams, it was still comfortably, you know, bottom fourth uh, quarter of the league in terms of EPA, um, you know, success rate, all those things. So Tampa Bay, if they are able to avoid – basically any injuries will be, I think, competitive. They are very, very thin, very thin on both sides of the ball. And that's kind of my problem is that they they just don't have, you know, if they lose either Jamal Dean or, um, you know, trying to think of some of the other guy, like it's really thin on that side of the football. So, um, or Carlton Davis, the other corner, like the, the rest of the defenses, it's just not a lot behind them. So they will stay healthy. They probably are a little bit competitive in a wide open division. Uh, but I also have offensive line issues like Connor mentioned too. There are concerns there. All right, Tennessee with Tim Kelly uh, moving in, replacing Tom Downing as the offensive coordinator. Stays on. He was the passing coordinator last year uh, with the Titans. He's been part of the Bill O'Brien tree the last handful of years. Um, Connor, do you know where Tim Kelly got his coaching debut at? I do not. Where did he get his coaching debut? Illinois Wesleyan. No shit. I should know him. That's where I went to college. Uh, well, no, I got to I got to do a little bit more research on him uh, because now I'm now I'm intrigued. Yep, you probably have statues right next to each other if you go on the campus. Yeah, I mean, know? not a whole lot of uh, strong football uh, coming out of Illinois Wesleyan, but uh, I mean, hey, shout out to Tim Kelly. Now I'm a fan. I mean, now I'm I'm all the way in. I'm buying out of my tech, my Titans unders. You know, all in on the overs now. Yeah, uh, Clark, I'll kick it to you. What are your thoughts on uh, on the Titans here? 
just just thoughts on you know we we throw around the word tanking a lot we're like oh the titans have nothing to play for they're probably gonna tank and it's like this guy is a first-time offense coordinator like he's gonna try to win he's gonna try to put on film like hey look what i did with this shitty offense that you gave me like you know i, I I'm, I'm excited to see what he does but i my opinion on t- titans don't change because he was in-house he was you know just promoted same head coach same defense coordinator so i i don't i don't materially change the titans but but i'm i I kind of push back a little bit on the whole tanking idea. I haven't heard any of that. And I would totally, Mike Vrabel is not wired to tank either. Uh, so I would definitely uh, call BS on that. Uh, Connor, now that you had some time to research, Tim Kelly, uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so he, was a, he went to Eastern Illinois. He was a grad assistant uh, at Wesleyan for a year at 2008, 2009. Uh, you know, still optimistic. You know, that's that's great news. Uh, he's, <laughs> he's an Iowa Titan, so uh, shout out to him. But yeah, I think Clark, I think the issue is that like, it's not even about like tanking. It's like, if they are go like two and four in the first six games for the bye, cause they're underdogs in every single one right now, like, or they're one and five. I mean, like they're probably gonna switch to Levis after the bye. I think it just opens up like a whole nother level. That's like hard to fathom. So it's like, I mean, Henry's already on the trade block. He can get traded. If he doesn't get traded, then you're just gonna look at Will Levis. And I think that that kind of alters the dynamics of kind of where they're at right now. And I mean, certainly makes them a lot more volatile. I guess it could make them better. Can also make them a lot worse offensively. So I don't know. I think that that's kind of my specific handicap of the team and the whole of the offs on the season. So last is Washington with Eric Bieniemy coming over uh, again. A lateral move of sorts. He did get uh, probably a nice raise, and then he's you know assistant associate head coach. But I think for Bieniemy, has just been a name that's been in the head coaching circles for the last couple of years, and I think just needed an opportunity to get outside of the Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes shadow and say, hey, I'm leading this, right? Because it was just, hey, they go out and do what they're expected to do. Well, it's Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. Like he was never going to be able to really get credit. Um, There were some reports and you would probably think there's something to it. If you've had this many interviews to be a head coach and you can't really get the ball over the goal line, there's probably something there. Um, But hopefully he can continue to develop that skill. But again, he's going to have an interesting quarterback situation here. Connor and his First year in Washington, what are your thoughts about Eric Bieniemy? Yeah, it was a good, I think an interesting move for his career. One that obviously will, you know, make things a little more volatile. I mean, that being said, if he fails, I'm sure that Kansas City will just hire him back in some kind of, you know, overseeing role or something like that. You know, like I'm sure it'll be a, some kind of analyst for them and, and it won't matter. But like, this is definitely the next stepping stone for him. Sam Howell, I think, is probably a little bit better than most people are giving credit for. Uh, but that being said, I mean, that's, again, like a marginal, you know, bump there, I think, relative to the market. So I don't really know what entirely what to expect because we don't really know or have any sample of like how much is Andy Reid, how much is Biennemi. Obviously playing with the best quarterback in the NFL for your entire career helps a lot and great weapons. So like, what do we balance here? What do we weigh? For me, it's just kind of like a wait and see thing, uh, especially given the, I mean, overall meh talent on the Washington, I would say, and not a very good quarterback. So I don't know. I don't know what to expect, to be honest. Yeah. Clark, what do you got on this one? Yeah, I mean, what's the takeaway, right? Like, he played with the best quarterback in the league. Uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid can do it with any offensive coordinator. So how much how much did the enemy contribute? And then the second thing, maybe more optimistically, is how much did he glean from that situation, right? Like, what did he learn from Andy Reid? What did he learn from running that offense for so many years uh, that he can then apply? Um, but that's a double-edged sword, right? Because if you're expecting Sam Howell to do the things Patrick Mahomes does, then good luck, um, you know, it could it could go up in flames like quite frankly uh he's you know he's a running back guy um so we'll see how he does in coordinating the passing game which is my understanding was what reed was really focused on um 
So a wide range of outcomes here. Um, I, I'm not optimistic as a Chiefs fan. I never really felt like the was that big of a contributor. Like it was definitely a three-part system. All, all three of those guys had a big, uh, big role in the offense, but I, it, it kind of always felt like if we're going to lose one, like it's Eric the enemy. Right. Um, and so by default, I just, I'm skeptical. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of with Connor. I think we could see some good play out of Sam Howell. Interesting prospect who, you know, definitely had an interesting last year in, in Carolina in the draft, you know, before coming over and, just haven't seen it in the NFL level, but I think it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, they brought in Jacoby Brissett as well. It's just interesting if they mean that, like, actually, is that an open competition or are they going with Howell? I mean, Jacoby Brissett's kind of been just like the league stopper for a year here and there, but played really well last year with the Browns. Um, again, like that's Kevin Stefanski offense. Again, you know, someone that I think is we should be encouraged by. But yeah, I mean, I'm just interested to see if they just say, hey, it's Sam Howell no matter what or what happens there in the preseason. So that one's going to be quite interesting. So um, that wraps it up with the coaching changes. I appreciate you guys hanging with us here again. YouTube page, new YouTube page, 4 for 4 bets, um, rate, review, subscribe. We appreciate that. Podcast, do the same. Get the betting sub uh, by just for five bucks. Download Vivid Picks. Use promo code 4 for 4 bet uh, and you'll get an email from us on how to activate your betting subscription for three months. Or you can just go over to 44.com slash plans, get the full year, take care of it, get everything you need there. So good stuff as always from uh, Clark and Connor. We'll see you guys uh, next time with who knows, but uh, we'll see you. Thanks for joining us.